Each week, nearly a dozen movies are released theatrically. 40 films a month, more than 400 a year. That's a plethora of cinema. Too much cinema. You'd have to be an addict to see all that. But don't fret. We've got you covered. This is Cinematics. Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Cinematics. This is a new week, new episode, episode 221 of Cinematics. We are covering movies that are coming out or movies we saw within the past week for the week covering Friday, December 22nd, 2023. I'm joined by my betters, Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. Eric Holmes, what what has the last week been for you as far as movie watching? How has it been have you been giving your all, your soul, your heart, and your plasma to the whole uh, <laughs> cinematic journey? What have you been up to? Uh, the movie watching has been pretty sparse, but everything else has been pretty balls to the wall. And I got sick a couple of days, so that wasn't fun. But oh, are you okay? Did you get better? Did you take medication? Oh no, it was just it was just a cold. It only lasted a day, and then another day after that, just kind of packing up everything that built up in my lungs over that 24-hour period. Jeez, oh, maybe maybe you got sick because you saw one of our movies and it wasn't so good. Bruce, do you think that's what happened? <laughs> no, it was before that. But <laughs> It was before that? Bruce, It was. did any movies make you sick to your stomach? No, 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 no. But th- definitely there was a range of emotions. <laughs> that a way. range of emotions. Movies covered this week as far as features go. There's a movie called Breakwater starring Dermot Moroney. A Creature Was Stirring, that creature being Bruce Perky. He's going to be doing the review of that. Eric and Bruce will be covering Freud's last session. I little uh, teaser here. Eric was giving a couple of comments on Freud's last session. And I have a feeling this movie, which is in Los Angeles, December 22nd, it's not exactly a barn burner. If it's not a barn burner, is it sort of cerebral and worth watching because it's just going to be talky talky talk talk we'll see there's another movie called the mental state eric this movie is i believe out or what is it about it's out now as we speak i believe on vod if i'm not mistaken why don't you talk about the mental state eric yes uh it's a, it's a really good movie about mental states uh i did an interview with the uh with the director and it's uh um this is a weird one because i don't know how much i can talk about talk about the story without giving things away but essentially uh this kid is doing like one of those hay rack rides uh that you see like it uh, you know they have them around halloween time they'll you know hook up a truck to a hay rack and then pull people around you know go around real slow and fun for everyone and as he's doing that someone shoots at the car and then he just you know hightails it out of there almost kills everyone in the hay rack but ultimately saves them because you know get away from the shooter and then uh some stuff happens and this is kind of where i'm at a loss whether i should go on or not but i i will say that one of the things that the mental state does well is that there's someone that has someone that has issues that has uh, mental issues like depression and anxiety and all that there's a lot of movies that talk about that but what a lot of movies don't talk about is what to do to get help like oh you can call this number you can go here to get help but when you try to do that in real life what happens is that okay what kind of health insurance do you have oh i don't have health insurance uh we can't help you can i just pay cash no that's not how we work here okay i need help how do i get help oh just get health insurance <laughs> like that the this movie actually deals with the hurdles you have to jump through to get mental help you know when when you actually need it and i really appreciated that and then it goes other places that i don't really want to talk about here because i think you should watch it. the movie's fantastic the movie's really great and you should definitely check it out it's got one of those uh integrity of joseph chambers it's got that kind of feel to it if you uh or uh killing a two lovers is you know it's got that kind of uh tone to it so if you like those type of movies, definitely check out The Mental State. Fantastic movie. And I'm sorry I can't sell it anymore. It's just, it's one of those movies that the more I talk about it plot-wise, the more I'm going to give away, and I really don't want to. The Mental State is available in U.S. and Canada on TVOD and digital platforms. The specific log line for The Mental State is, quote, a high school senior from rural Kentucky and his family struggled to cope with his recent severe mental health crisis. Eric you did the interview with the director, I'm assuming, a couple of weeks back from your recall. Yeah. How did it go? Anything enlightening? What did you ask about? I haven't uh, listened to the interview yet. So that's I'm actually asking you, not even prepping you, trying trying to actually, if you're trying to look back, but a week this and a half. This is a, 
Oh yeah, it was it was a while ago. I've done a bunch of interviews since, and I can't remember. I remember enjoying the interview. I cannot for the life of me. Oh, but we we what definitely kind of, did. What kind of professionalism? Um, Don't you remember every single conversation you've ever had, Bruce? No, I barely. Uh, Bruce. Oh, <laughs> what? <laughs> Where? Where am, I? Where am I? What's happening? I'm serious. Oh god, I'm not kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I, 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 I will say that. Uh, with who's the, Allison uh, Thornton? Is she a producer on this, or she's one of the stars of it? Oh, okay. Yeah, Allison and Thornton, um. Or? One director, of the, James Canale, James yeah. Canale from Fatal Obsession and the Heavens Must Have Cried. And it's he adapted the mental state from Josh Adele's acclaimed play. Yes, Eric. Um, I, I was going to say, I did bring up the how much I appreciated him bringing up the finding mental help or mental professionals and help in the movie, because that's definitely a thing in movies that they don't talk about. They, they kind of gloss over like, oh, we'll give you a we'll give you 800 number. You'll be fine. Not that easy. And this movie illustrates that very well. And so that was one of the things we talked about that I do remember talking about in the interview. Eric, say the layperson, just say I'm interested in watching the mental state. But I so I, I'm going to go, Eric, I, I just have a. My only trepidation is it, it's obviously a serious subject, but maybe is this an after school type special TV movie? And if so, what makes it a little bit above that? Because I uh, you, said you really enjoyed it. Yeah, this one's a straight bomber. <laughs> the, usually the uh, the after well, see now I got to get now I got to get into spoilers and not I too much spoilers. It gets to dance around it a little bit. Yeah, sure. This this is dead serious. Like from front to back, it's just dead serious. So there's not much levity in it. Like Anderson, he likes watching serious movies, but there's got to be some comedy in there to some levity. This has, if it has any, I don't remember it. The, this just came across as straight serious all the way through. And it's, it's just really a, well done. A well-executed drama then, basically. It's oh, a yeah. bummer, but okay. Yeah. All right. So that is The Mental State, TVOD, and Digital Platforms. Currently this week, check it out. And if you don't like the, this movie, do not go after me and Bruce. Go after Eric. It's Eric's. <laughs> Eric is putting a stamp on it with a rating of Eric. What is your rating? That was five stars. Easy five, five stars. Easy yeah. five. Easy and, five and stars. I, I think maybe, maybe it could have been four and a half, but just the fact that they went above and beyond within the story to kind of point out certain things about the mental health, you know, people getting uh, mental help, just kind of put it over that bar a little more than it would have otherwise. Okay. But even even without that, it's still a fantastic movie. Okay, fantastic. Well, it's a good way to start off as far as our reviews, The Mental State. We just snuck it in there before we got into our features. Let's count The Mental State as a featured review. Let's keep the good news coming with Bruce Perky's review of A Creature Was Stirring. Is it on the level of The Mental State? Eric started off the show with a nice bang because this is so hopefully it's a good bang for your buck, The Mental State. He's recommending people check it out. This might be a bang of some sort. Could, could be a bang of some sort. Well, first of all, I guess I'll start with caveat. We used to do caveats a lot. Now let's start oh, with the caveat that I've, I've sure. since, since I kind of had, you know, formulated my opinion after watching this movie, I've kind of gone out to see what, what other people saw. And some, a lot of people, genre fans ended up really digging this movie, finding it to be a hidden gem. So that being said, I could imagine Eric might end up loving this movie. This is one of those movies that we kind of disagree on sometimes. So what I'm going to do here is I'm going to give you the basic concept and I'm actually going to, I'm not going to say I'm going to spoil it because I'm not going to really spoil it because there's some reveals late on in the movie that give away a totally different context to this movie. But I'm going to give more than I usually would because I think my negative version of that might actually sell it the way I tend to do sometimes. Uh, and let's just say, <laughs> here's what's happening in this movie. You have a mother named Faith, played by Chrissy Metz, and you have a daughter named Charm. She's prob The daughter looks like she's probably late, late teens, maybe early 20s, and that's played by Annalisa Basso. And then Creature Whispering was directed by Damien Levick, if I said it right, hopefully. So early on, you see that the mother is doing all these things. So this is supposed to take place at Christmas. It doesn't matter really this Christmas. They just decided to make this take place at Christmas. Uh, there's a lot of colorful lighting in this movie. I guess that's the Christmas aspect, but it doesn't really matter for the story. Either way, if you want to make it your Christmas movie, go for it. The mother is doing this thing where she tries to keep her daughter's body temperature between like 100 and I'm remembering this probably wrong, but like between 100 and, and 102 or something like that. Just like a two, a two degree range. And if the daughter's temperature doesn't stay within that range, the mother believes and the daughter believes that she turns into a porcupine hybrid creature. 
And <laughs> I see Eric's in the face like a what? I'm listening. <laughs> and apparently this is because her mother has this history of being a substance abuser. And she's trying to kind of basically had a long history of it and not being the greatest mother. And now she's kind of turned over a new leaf. She's trying to be responsible, not into drugs, trying to take care of her kid. But when she was not so good of a, a mother and she was pretty irresponsible, at one point, I think the tale goes during this that she was at a zoo with her daughter not paying attention to her daughter. Her daughter crept away, ended up around the porcupines and got attacked by a porcupine. I think this might be like a Spider-Man kind of origin story where maybe she got, I don't know, attacked by a porcupine and now she can turn into a porcupine. I don't really understand exactly how this works. Once again, I said, I'm selling this bad movie <laughs> by telling you how weird it is. Meanwhile, all the time, all the while, around the shadows of the house, you'll see a porcupine-like creature just kind of stirring i guess uh walking around the edges that may be the dad but then i don't know about that also uh, a young couple <laughs> breaks in one of the half of the couple is played by scout taylor compton uh, and that's liz this couple breaks into the house but instead of being fought off by the mother and daughter they are taken in under the house but there might be a fantasy sequence where the mother imagines the break-in intruder guy as the Green Lantern having an affair. This is a lot in this movie. There's a lot going on in this movie. This is what I would decree as a one-star banger. I don't think this movie works in any way that it wants to work. I don't think it's a good horror movie. It's definitely not a good Christmas movie. It makes no sense. But I quite enjoyed watching it because it was so earnestly crazy and weird. That's the other thing about this. It's... The one thing I'm not describing about this movie is, okay, this sounds like what? B-movie, right? B-monster movie. But this is also trying to be an elevated B-monster movie. So it's trying to be like, you know, you get all these A24 movies. This movie is trying to be like an elevated, I call it elevated schlock movie. It's a very weird combination. Uh, and there is a reveal at the end that is, I mean, I give them credit for going for it. It didn't, none of it worked for me, but I had a great time watching it. it I have to still give it like one star though, because it's not really very good. I don't it's, know what the divide is though. I mean, you, it, you had a good time because it was such a bad movie then. Well, okay. Like Once Attack again, of Killer I, Tomatoes I, when we were kids. No, see, here's the difference. See, this is what I ta what I've talked about before. And this is only works for some people. This works for me. If it's campy on purpose, if it's a knowingly like Sharknado, right? This knowingly schlocky, bad for bad sake movie, that doesn't work for me. This movie is earnest. It's going for big issues. It's going for a big emotional impact. And it's doing it in this absolutely bonkers, schlocky way. So for me, uh, that's more like The Room, right? Where it's like, it is earnestly trying to do this really serious, heady thing in this very fantastical environment. To me, it absolutely does not work. But the process of putting those things together and meaning it 100% and being absolutely serious about it makes it fantastically odd and weird. So I can't say it's good, but I can say, for me at least, but I can't say it's a fascinating mess. Fascinating mess for a creature with stirring. <laughs> it's now available on VOD. It's one of these things that one star means totally not recommend, but that said, Bruce had a good time watching it. So this yeah. is going to be a conflict for you listeners, yes. viewers whether or not to see a creature was stirring. Bruce, if someone is conflicted, understandably, for your review, because it's very, uh, I like your review. I actually like your review. What would you say, please check this movie out with my review if you, what, if you? I think if you really like those kind of fascinating experiment experiments of movies that maybe on paper don't work in any way and really don't work in most ways, but they're absolutely... There's absolute conviction behind it. I think if you like that kind of thing, you might give it a try. I really would have loved to have heard Eric's review of this movie because I feel like Eric would have bought some, he would have brought some very good insight. And usually this is the kind of movie he really has a strong take on, better take on it than I do. And a lot of times he can come in on this movie hard with a, he might say four stars and why, and I might be like, you know what, you're right, Eric. <laughs> but he didn't see it. So maybe he will in the future and we can get a better take. I, but uh, I'm interested in watching a wear porcupine movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's so weird. I just can't. Yeah, there's a lot in this movie. Again, that was A Creature Was Storing a One Star from Bruce. It's actually a one star banger from Bruce Berkey, now available on VOD. 
I recently saw a movie called Breakwater, stars Dermot Moroney. It's written and directed by James Rowe. Do any of you guys know North Carolina's what the Outer Banks? Have either of you been to the Outer Banks at all? Impressions of it, Bruce? Not I guess me. you'd you'd be nope. the one closest to the Outer Banks. I'm close to it, but I've never been to that southern east southeast coast of the United States. I've been right. to almost all the other coasts, but not that one. Yeah, this is very interesting because it, it's an indie film. Dermot Moroney plays a convict. And he's staying in prison, he has a bad back, and he's old in his late 50s, early 60s, he's lumbering around. And he's been a father figure to this fellow convict. This fellow convict, his name is Dovey. Dovey is played by Darren Mann. And Dovey is a little bit, even though he is himself a convict, he's much younger than Dermot's character. Dermot plays this guy named Ray. Ray is sort of Dovey's either big brother or father figure. And when Dovey is released from prison, he's very impressionable and his and Ray asks him, whatever you do when you get out into the real world, please track down my daughter. Just go check out if she's doing okay. The catch is Ray's daughter lives in another state in that aforementioned area, what the Outer Banks is. She's over there. And Dovey is in another area and he can't leave. He can't leave his state. But he decides to actually break his break the rules go out of state in a motorcycle. He borrows his, his father's motorcycle to find out a little bit more about this daughter of Ray. That's daughter. Her, she's played by actress Alyssa Goss. What happens is throughout these this 97 minutes movies rated R, it's sort of a atmospheric film noirish thriller. As Dovey is just a nice, good Samaritan type of guy. And you're wondering why maybe he was wrongly convicted. He's sort of the wrong guy at the wrong place and he tries to do good for others and you know understandably sometimes when you do good things bad things happen to you that's why i never do any good things for eric or, or bruce because i don't want anything bad to, have to happen to me you got eric and bruce you understand right why oh I yeah it totally makes sense yeah thank when, you thank when you. you put it that way it's hard to argue <laughs> right bruce you, you you second that emotion why what do you mean? why i'm so I, self- I keep waiting for the good things to happen for me <laughs> So I send Lassie over. Lassie, (laughs) tell Greg I fell down the well. And no, Greg. (laughs) But anyways, yeah. Greg's like, oh, the well's outside, isn't it? (laughs) Sorry, Bruce. (laughs) Dovey is like Bruce Perky and Eric Holmes. Dovey's very nice and he thinks of others. And sometimes when you think of others vis-a-vis a fellow convict, maybe the convict's daughter might have her own ulterior motives with upon meeting Dovey. So what you get is a film noirish triangle situation and it's in the Outer Banks. There are boat sequences. There are, there's some beautiful, I forgot what the name of the small town in North Carolina where they filmed, but it's beautifully shot. Very interesting thr- thriller. Well, well done acting. Mina Suvari has a very small role. She's at the beginning of the movie. And Sonia Sohn, she plays a probation officer. You might know her for her work in The Wire. I really enjoy this movie. My only complaint is the first half, the lead up to everything is very, 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 very good. I loved it. And then when it unspools, there's, uh, I like the first half a lot better than the second half. Overall, though, I would recommend this movie. And the ending of this film is very uncompromising. So I really enjoyed Breakwater. For me, it's a solid recommend. Three and a half stars out of five. This week, I also interviewed James Rowe, and he talks about the ending of Breakwater, and that stuff will be exclusive for our Cinematics Patreon members, which, by the way, I forgot, next week, me, Bruce, and Eric, we will be covering Patreon. We are covering the month of December, and our episode will feature our review of the Michael Mann film from 1983, The Keep. And the other film we are doing, I did a randomizer by myself. I didn't do it on the episode because I wanted some corruption involved. You know, there are a whole bunch of movies, but I, I, you know, I'm on the up and up. I did a randomizer. I was so surprised. The second movie we are going to review is a film called Eureka directed by Nicholas Rogue. I forgot. might've been Andrew Dykstra who recommended this movie, but Nicholas Rogue film Eureka, good news, Bruce and Eric, and most importantly, listeners, you can actually catch up with Eureka. Check out Eureka from Nicholas Rogue. It's currently streaming as we speak on Tubi. 
So I'm I'm not gonna I might see it on Tubi. I might actually just rent it just to see the whole Nick Rogue experience. Bruce and Eric, thoughts on Nick Rogue? Do you guys still love Nick Rogue? What do you guys love about Nick Rogue, the director of Don't Look Now and of course one of my all time favorites, Walkabout performance? Anything? Uh, Any thoughts? He always brings an interesting visual and surreal kind of edge to his movies, which I really enjoy. Uh, Eureka doesn't strike a chord to me. Now, who's in Eureka? Do you know anything about Eureka? I believe Rutger Hauer and Gene Hackman. I do know a couple things about. Yeah, I do know a couple things about Eureka. I purchased it years ago in the early '90s when VHS was king and queen, and I purchased it I think for twenty five bucks because I was on a huge Nicholas Rogue kick throughout my twenties. Remember really enjoying it, and I said the same thing that you did, Bruce, back in the early 90s. Why do most people not know about this movie? It's really cool. I think it's a good movie. I believe Andrew Dykstra from our Cinematics Facebook group, I think it was him, he was saying how much that movie is underrated as well. Eric and Bruce, yeah, go Bruce. It looks like we had Gene Hackman, Rucker Howard, Mickey Rourke, Joe Pesci. Mm, See? Wow. Pretty good good cast. Did Nicholas yeah, so, Rogue do Insignificance? Who did yes, Insignificance? Yes, he did. I feel like that's from a similar time period, also just lost to history. <laughs> so, You know what's interesting, Bruce, is a person, I, James Dawson, Jim Dawson, he's a friend of mine, and I really respect him. And he said, Nick Rogue's best film is Insignificance. I And years back, I told him I'd see it. Still haven't seen it, but I hear that's really? another movie that is underrated. It's on Criterion Channel all the time, by the way, Insignificance. But... Eureka is never there. So we'll see. That might be, you know, that was during the the era, the Nick Rogue era, when he was doing stuff like Track 29 and a lot of these different movies from that era. Good good pull, Bruce. And, and Eric, uh, final thoughts on Nick Rogue before we get into our other feature stuff? Do you, do you like I'm, him? I'm not nearly as uh, versed in Nicholas Rogue as you guys are. Wait, uh, did we, did we covered Walkabout. Do you remember Walkabout? Yeah, Walkabout and Don't Look Now. And I like both those movies, but like I'm not. I'm looking at his IMDb and I'm just going, haven't seen it, haven't seen it, haven't, haven't seen, seen it. it. Right performance. Uh, looks like he did. Wait, did it? I don't think I saw The Witches. He did The Witches? I thought that was... The Witches? Yeah. Yeah, he did The uh, Witches. Angelica did. Houston and yeah. all that? Yeah. He did The I Witches. Thought that, I thought that was someone else, like, uh, not Toby Hooper, but, like, I, I thought I someone else yeah. did that. It's one of those things. All right, so, yeah. yeah. Uh, I did, yeah. oh, shoot, he did episode of Young Indiana Jones Chronicles. Yeah, Heart see. of Dark. No, he did not do Heart. Of- oh, no, yeah, he did. That's a different Tim Heart of Roth. Darkness. Yeah, it's TV TNT film. No, I, I was thinking the the mm-hmm. Apocalypse Now documentary. Oh no, no, no! He did the Heart of Darkness, which is the adaptation of the Conrad. Star, I think. Yeah, maybe I did see more Nicholas Rogue than. Oh I shoot! You mean oh, oh shoot? Okay, I'll I'll find it. Eric, who I Eric makes me and Bruce. Oh, wait, was it was it Bruce last week who made me go back, or was it Eric? No, I think I was I, good last week. Uh, it think, was probably me. Okay, so I, I got to go back and edit it, folks. You're, you're gonna—it's not gonna make sense when you when you hear my frustrations. But I'm gonna go back and <laughs> edit the Snick Rogue thing. All right, let's get back to features. Freud's last session out in Los Angeles, December 22nd. Eric and Bruce, Eric, why don't you tell us what this thing is about? I think it's something about Sigmund Freud's last days, and he has a conversation with C.S. Lewis towards the yeah. beginning of the world World War II or something like that. The way it's set up, or at least what I thought it was supposed to be, was that C.S. Lewis and Sigmund Freud wanted to have a conversation about the existence of God. And then they keep not having that conversation. And when that conversation does happen, it's like the probably the most uninteresting version of that kind of uh, conversation you could have. Keep in mind, this is coming from someone that's watched about every Christopher Hitchens video there is on YouTube. And if you're going to have that conversation, you make a movie about Christopher Hitchens and a conversation he has with someone about the existence of God. This one's kind of dull. And mostly it's just Anthony Hopkins just being a scatterbrained old guy. Hey, I tell you, we have a drink here. And uh, we want to, oh, C.S. Lewis, why don't you please have a seat? And uh, I'm a. Old scatterbrained guy. And by the way, I can relate to that. I'm an old scatterbrained guy myself, but I don't want to watch a movie about me. And I did not really care as I was watching this. This was just, this movie was like a sleeping pill for me. Wow. Anytime, and anytime they started getting, like, it seemed like they were starting to get to the conversation, they would do a flashback. 
that I just don't care. Just get to the, let's have the discussion. If that's what we're here for, let's have the debate. Okay, they're about to start the debate. Oh, we got to do another flashback. Cool. Uh, there was something going on with his daughter. Didn't really care about that. This is like a really great looking movie. You know, like all the technical stuff is there. It's just the story is not hard to judge the writing without reading the script, but uh, just based on the dialogue they have back and forth between each other, it wasn't into, I wasn't into anything about this movie other than any of the technical stuff that looks great, sounds great, acting's Anthony Hopkins is basically playing as the uh, same character from The Father. Another movie people, and keep in mind, I didn't like The Father either. People loved that movie. I think it was probably nominated for like a something, I'm sure. But uh, yeah. I, I'm kind of curious to hear from Bruce because, as I recall, Bruce really liked The Father a lot, and I didn't. And I wonder if we're kind of on the same path here where I didn't like this. Maybe Bruce loves it. I don't know. I did not take to this at all. I right, just Bruce. wanted it to end as quickly as possible, and it might, did not. <laughs> might might be another one. It might be another one star rating this episode. Anthony Hopkins is the aforementioned Sigmund Freud playing C.S. Lewis. Is Matthew Good, who I will always love from Stoker. He was also oh, in good. Watchmen. Yeah, he was also in Watchmen. Directed by Matthew Brown. Running. It's PG thirteen. Running one hundred eight minutes. S L O G. Sloggy. Sloggy for you, Bruce. Freud's last session, or maybe not. I'm actually a little more on the same page as Eric on this one. There's a couple things that I think derail this movie. First of all, yeah, the technical stuff's all good. It looks beautiful. You can tell it's a lot of talented people in front and behind the camera. I mean, obviously, Anthony Hopkins and Matthew Good also uh, live. Lisa Freeze plays Anna, Anna Freud, his daughter. They all are doing great work here as far as the acting goes. Nothing to complain about there. I guess here's the, here's the question. Or here's the thing that kind of came to my mind. There's a couple stories you could do here. The one is the one they kind of promise, which is this mythical conversation about God versus, you know, atheism or whatever you want to say, or God versus science, I guess you could kind of say. And the thing that's going to befuddling to me is this. They say, you know, these movies that are based on fact, they'll have little captions at the end saying like, this happened to this person, this happened to this person. And after this, this person did this. Well, they have a few of those at the end of this movie, which is fine. But one of them is basically he was scheduled to have a conversation with a, with a Don from Oxford, and it may have been C.S. Lewis, but no one knows. So essentially, this is made up, which means that they have full license to make this conversation whatever they want it to be. And yet, for some reason, they don't seem to want to just go with that and just go go crazy, right? And it's kind of funny that we just talked about insignificance, which is this imagined conversation, essentially, between Marilyn Monroe and Albert Einstein, in this hotel room. They just go with it, right? What the heck would happen if you had these two people together in a hotel room? Why didn't they do that in this movie? Why didn't they just have them go crazy on this conversation? That would be the one tact. The other tact is, if you want to stay historical and really get interesting, honestly, I think there could have been a really interesting story with him and his daughter. Maybe not in this moment in their lives, but the idea of her being the focus, like what is it like to grow up as the daughter of Sigmund Freud with all of this baggage that that carries. And it shows even hints here that she was growing up and that she was in love with a woman and he didn't approve of that. She was trying to become respected in the field in her own right. Like all of that stuff is great fodder for an interesting dramatic story with truth as a background, but that was just barely hinted at in this movie. So I think to me, it's it's missed opportunities all the way around. So I'm pretty much with Eric on this one. It's it's a lot of, well, are we going to do anything here? Are we going to just grumble and look at each other for a while and then show someone walking in the forest and then have a maybe an air raid, but not really have an air raid? Just stuff like that all the way through. They had the one part with the, with the daughter where Freud was kind of basically being her psychiatrist and then he yeah. had to back out of that and then she was freaking out about it. It was like, I think this is inappropriate and we've exhausted this. We can't do this anymore. And she's like freaking out. And then it ends. I'm like, no. Like, if you're going to have story. more of right. that. I mean, I think the, the drama, the, the real life drama that you could extrapolate between a daughter and the dad being Freud. I mean, that is open for so much <laughs> interesting stuff to have happened. Right. But they didn't do it. So I don't know. All right. That is such a disappointment. Freud's last session. Eric, your rating on this. I, I kind of want to go one star, but like, I think it's probably two stars. 
just because like it, you know it looks like all the technical stuff is there there's little nuggets here and there but overall it just doesn't work i think two's fair okay what about you bruce i'm two stars too unfortunately i really would love to have given it more but yeah two stars is about all i can muster for this one all right two stars for, for both eric and bruce for freud's last session they, I, I'm assuming they never want to see this movie ever again. <laughs> if you have any kind of contrarian views it's of good sleeping material, you could probably, you know, put it right? on and fall asleep. Yeah. It's just quiet and it's kind of dark tones and you get to listen to Anthony Hopkins while you're falling asleep. Okay, there you go. If you don't if you don't have the Calm app or you just want to have something on the television that is your version of a noise machine. Check out Freud's last session <laughs> as I put words in Bruce Perky's mouth. Again, two stars from both Bruce and Eric. Thank you guys for seeing the movie. And thank you for letting me watch basketball and football while you guys took this movie instead. Okay, we're done with our features. Middle class film class. We love them. We love Tyler Noe, Joseph Navarro, Peter Beta. Eric, you have something covered. I mean, I'm I'm still thinking, you know, I'm, I'm in the holiday spirit, but I'm still... I don't know what to say. Anything about leading Pete into this beat? Anything you want to say? Anything? Yes. Yes. Yo, Pete, wrap that beat and then put it under the tree. Remove your hand from the box and you die. What's in the box? Look, we should have led with this. In my opinion, we just should have just talked about this movie for Bruce's box pick. What was, can you tell our listeners, Bruce, what was in the box this week? What are we reviewing? Uh, 1968's The Great Silence by Sergio Corbucci, which I know that you are a huge fan of. I know Eric has seen it, but he wasn't sure if he remembered seeing it, but he thought he'd seen it. But I know you are a huge, huge fan, and it's been on my I need to get around to watching this list for at least, what, two years, probably? Two so, yeah. years. I believe the movie is set in the States. I think specifically Snow Utah? Hill. What? Snow Hill, Utah. Snow Hill, Utah. Thank you, Bruce. Snow Hill, Utah, but it's an Italian film. Yes, Sergio Corbucci is a writer and director of this film. He's known for a lot of, I think he directed this movie called Fuzz. I could be wrong about this. He's had a pretty oh, super a pro- fuzz. Super fuzz. Very good. Thank you, Eric. He had a prolific career. This is considered his masterpiece. That said, I'm sure other people will disagree. There's other Kabuchi films that possibly get up to this level. I haven't researched a whole bunch of, I think he did Django and Navajo Joe. I've yet to see these movies. By the way, Navajo Joe, it stars Burt Reynolds. I think as of this recording, it might be streaming on Prime Video. Quentin Tarantino said, before watching Django Unchained, what should people watch? He says, well, you should watch Navajo Joe. Starring Burt Reynolds as Navajo Joe. That was a movie that inspired Django Unchained. The reason why I'm talking about this Corbucci connection, because there's another Quentin Tarantino Corbucci connection with The Hateful Eight, because The Hateful Eight, I don't know, Bruce, if you agree with me, or Eric, if you agree with me, this is a direct influence. The Great Silence influenced The Hateful Eight. Do you see that, Bruce, that kind of correlation? Oh, yeah, for sure. Especially like the stagecoach scenes and stuff in this one. But I mean, you can see a lot of stuff throughout the the snowy setting, of course, and all that kind of stuff. There's a lot of parallels, not necessarily exactly the storyline, but yeah, he had to be an influence for sure. Well, I'm going to just very quickly bounce through the storyline, Bruce, and then you can lead off and head me off on the pass and do the review. Same with you, Eric. Eric, did you do a rewatch for, for this? I did. Oh, yeah. Oh, very, I, very cool. I, I did two, two of yeah. them technically, but we'll get to that. Oh, oh, very interesting. Okay, okay. No no spoilers for The Great Silence, Eric. I know you want to say something about this, but we're, we're going to have to navigate a lot with The Great Silence, what it's about and everything. But just know this, Klaus Kinski, it's a Klaus Kinski, right? He plays mm-hmm. Loco. I think Loco means crazy. <laughs> Loco is a bounty, <laughs> of course it is. Loco is a bounty hunter. He's, he's out in the snow with the horses and jacket on. He's the only one in the, this snowy, snow hill Utah terrain who doesn't feel like he's freezing under this really unforgiving weather. He's just happy killing people left and right because it's killing season for, for bounty hunters. Their job is to kill supposed outlaws living within this environment. These are outlaws. There's a reason we're not going to get into 
why these are called outlaws. They each have a price on their head. And Loco is sort of the leader of a bunch of bounty hunters. He's the most successful one. He's just killing people left and right and collecting money. Thing is, when you kill people, they have family members. When Loco kills an out, supposed outlaw, but he looks pretty innocent, this dead man's wife decides to actually seek revenge on Loco. And what she does is she hires this gunslinger named Silence, played by Jean-Louis Tritignan. Silence is silent because I don't know, I'm going to let Bruce and Eric mention why he's silent, but there's a reason why this quote-unquote man with no name is very silent, which you're going to find out throughout the movie. But Silence is hired by this woman, this widow, played by Vonetta McGee. She plays Pauline. And together they team up to figure out how, if they can, they want to kill the bounty hunter Loco, as well as the corrupt people, his corrupt henchmen or the fellow colleagues who are around town just killing people left and right who are quote-unquote outlaws. That is a premise of The Great Silence. Bruce, take it away on your thoughts on the film. Yeah, yeah. This I quite enjoyed this movie, but I would say kind of like we said about In the Heat of the Night, you have to know what you're getting into. Like if you're not seasoned in <laughs> Italian Westerns, you got to kind of be ready for the, the style. Italian movies in general, especially in that time period, they would do this thing where you'd have people from all different nationalities. They'd all come in, they'd all speak their parts in their native language, and they'd all be overdubbed later. Like everyone would be overdubbed later. So you have... <laughs> aggressive overdubbing the camera work is kind of loosey-goosey like it'll just sometimes zoom in and be out of focus and it's just like yeah good enough let's keep going so you have to kind of technically get into the vibe of what it is and that is just kind of italian like as italian movies and especially italian westerns of that era that's kind of what you get and once you get into that you can just enjoy the movie for what it is whether you watch it dubbed or not it almost doesn't matter if you watch it dubbed or not because the italian version is dubbed in its own way and they both kind of are the same thing uh what i would say is that that really shines in this movie other than the setting is just it's a really unique and odd western in general for a variety of reasons uh, one of them most notably being the ending which we're not going to discuss in this movie or in this review but the ending is what everyone will talk about when they watch this movie but the other things i'll bring up so silence i actually say leave leave why he's silent out of it I wouldn't say why, but a couple things that are unique about him. So the silent, you know, honorable gunslinger type guy is, you know, kind of an archetype, right? But what he does is pretty great because uh, one of the things he does, he, he, he won't shoot or kill you until you shoot first. So it's kind of a Han Solo, reverse Han Solo thing, right? He won't shoot, <laughs> shoot unless shot at first. And he has this tendency to shoot people's thumbs off, <laughs> which is also kind of unique. And then you have another character, like the sheriff comes in. The sheriff is like the the voice of reason, right? He's like the, the do-gooder, the real, and he's new to coming to town too, right? He's brand new. And there's a scene where he comes in and his horse is giving him hell and he's in this high snow and the horse isn't doing a great job. And, you know, all these bandits come out of the hills and surround him and, he, and they say, oh, we don't want to kill you. Just leave and we'll eat your horse. <laughs> and I'm like, what? <laughs> What's happening here? So really interesting as far as that early character stuff. Yeah. Uh, by the way, we didn't mention uh, Vanetta McGee is in Repo Man, and she's awesome in Repo Man as well. Very what, good pull. 10 or 15 Bruce. years later, something like but that. Very quickly, when Vanita McGee passed away, Alex Cox, Alex Cox, the director of Repo Man, wrote an obit for her over for The Guardian. And obviously, Bruce, as you know, being a Repo Man, you're a Repo Man fan, he cast Vanetta McGee because he's such a he was such a huge fan of the great silence so. for sure and she yeah. she really does shine out in this as far as characters go to me the dude playing silence uh jean he Lewis. doesn't shine shine out to me he's 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 almost a cypher right but sure. he does he does what he's supposed to do but i think vanetta mcgee or vanita i don't know which how you say it right her and klaus kinski and klaus kinski is one My of the all time one of the all-time villains in this movie i mean i think he absolutely steals the show but it's just weird scene after weird scene that plays out in ways you don't quite expect another example i'll give an early example so uh <laughs> you see klaus klaus kinski's character loco he's going around and killing these guys and he wants to get you know the bounties right so at one point he kills vanita's husband shoots him dead and she says oh he says to her something like oh go you know go make your last goodbyes to him i i get it you know he's trying to be like the nice guy quote nice guy after killing her <laughs> husband and he's like, oh, but don't bury him. 
because I need to keep him on ice and come back and get him later so I can get the bounty for her, you know? That's kind of another example. It's just like these odd sequences where they just take a turn you're not exactly expecting. And that is taken to the ultimate unexpected degree as you get to the end of this movie. Yeah, I I pretty much thoroughly enjoyed this uh, throughout, and I was never sure what was going to happen. And that's a lot to say about a Western from that era, for sure. You know, when you talk about the good, the bad, and the ugly, right? Final Moments is operatic. I think in its own way, the ending of this movie, the third act of The Great Silence, especially, Bruce, if you are a lover of the spaghetti Western, it can be considered just as operatic. Now, if you are not a fan of the spaghetti Western, I still feel this is on a must-see level just to know and understand the story structure of what we're talking about regarding the third act. I still think it's worth watching. Eric, do you agree with me as far as if you're not a Western fan, try to see The Great Silence for sort of like a film history thing, notch on your belt yes. or, okay. So uh, well, also just cause it's a good movie. I think uh, Bruce touched on this. I would recommend the English version. Cause when I said I rewatched it twice, technically I was watching it on Canopy and it's got the, I Subti- believe yeah. it's, Subtitle. I believe it's Italian with English subtitles. Yeah, And I, as I'm watching it, I didn't like it as much as I did the first time. I couldn't oh. figure out why. And then I went on YouTube and uh, realized, oh, I didn't rent it last time on YouTube. I bought it last time on YouTube. So I just play that. And that's the English version. And I don't know. Some of the performances just come out better on the, the English language version, <laughs> in my opinion. But as far as the story goes, and just as a movie, I think everything Bruce said is right on. Like, you got to know what kind of movie you're getting into. Klaus Kinski is just a damned evil person <laughs> probably in real life too i don't know but uh and i think the thing that really stuck with me this time through without giving anything away i like how it gave an idea of uh how, how do i put this things that people can do legally is not morally not very moral pretty clear in this movie but i started thinking of things that certain police still do these days and yeah, I guess uh, legally you have the right to do that. It's within your power to do so, but that doesn't make it right. And they kind of touch a little bit on it in this movie. I don't know if it's intentional. It almost has to be. But then, Greg, you showed me an alternate ending. Again, I won't say the alternate ending. I'm glad they kept this one because that alternate ending, not as good. Like, Supposedly. by far not as good. Oh, yes, Bruce. Yeah, I, I agree with you. A couple of trivia pieces. I know you're going to probably say something about the ending, but a couple of trivia pieces I read were one thing was, first of all, this is strongly positioned at the end of the 60s in the political environment. So you can see that shining through here. And I believe that Corbucci in one of his interviews had said something like when he was coming up with this or working on this, he had been deeply impacted by all of the events like Kennedy Martin Luther King Jr., Malcolm X, Malcolm X, Bobby uh, Kennedy Jr., or Bobby Kennedy, all of these things, they impacted a society in general, but they really impacted kind of this idea of justice and injustice and, and legality versus political power. So I think that's all very intentional in this movie. Right. Also, is Klaus Kinsey a terrible person? The one other bit of <laughs> trivia I read about this is during the filming of this, Klaus, uh, well, Klaus Kinski wrote uh, like an autobiography or... I did, and I read it. Okay. You probably know what I'm going to say then. There was this whole thing he talked about in there where he essentially talked about having an affair. He didn't mention her by name, but pretty much it's pretty clear that he had an affair with uh, Vanetta McGee during the filming of this while he was married. Talked about going back after that and, you know, kissing his kids and his wife and stuff. But then also in his biography, he badmouthed the physical appearance of Vanetta McGee, which is just doubly <laughs> heinous. And it just sounds like he was, at least in that situation, a, a kind of already horrible person. And of course, wasn't it, uh, wasn't it uh, Klaus Kinn, no, um, uh, Werner that wanted to have him murdered on the set of Fitzcarraldo? <laughs> Fitzcarraldo, yeah. So uh, I think Klaus Kinski is pretty known as like not a great guy. So Right. And to, to your point, Bruce and Eric's point, that Kinski autobio, I, that has to be, some of that has to be made up because from my recollection, a great deal of it has him talking 
crap about the productions he was in and all the women that he essentially had sex with. In And in graphic detail, we're talking about sort of Henry Miller-esque detail. <laughs> so it's just 20-something-year-old me was really enjoying Kinski at the time because he was just sort of that what is it bon vivant with Rebel, a malevolence yeah. with yeah. a malevolent streak right so yeah wow wow but you were going to say something i think about the ending and the reshoot right right so supposedly i was reading uh, jean-louis tritignan the or, this ending was at the behest of jean-louis he wanted this ending whereas i supposedly corbucci wanted the alternate ending because the producers were sort of prodding him for the alternate ending so that's what you get. So listeners, if you are interested in seeing The Great Silence, Eric, you saw it on Canopy. I saw it on Canopy, but then Eric purchased it again for rental on YouTube. How did you find how did you see it, Bruce? Did you see it? I on just a... I rented it on um like for a couple bucks on like Amazon. And okay. I actually watched the I had the option on there, you could switch it between the Italian and I actually ended up siding on the dubbed too, which I wouldn't usually, but for something for Italian westerns, it almost seems more fitting. Well, the, the weird thing is, though, like when I'm watching it in English, the lips line up more often than they don't on the yeah. English one. The, the Italian just, one, they're like off sync throughout the entire thing. It, it almost feels it like seemed right it almost too. feels like the Italian one's the dub version. If but I, I don't know. It's like watching an old Godzilla movie, not the new one. Don't do it with minus one. Hmm. But the old Godzilla's movies almost seem that way, too. Like if you watch them dubbed, it's like that's the way they should be. You know, it's like it just feels right. OK, so that is The Great Silence. Again, this is one of these things that we could talk about ad nauseum if we talked about the third act. But we want you, fellow listener, to please check out The Great Silence on whatever platform you have. It's definitely worth a rental at the very least. Maybe be smarter than me. Get the Blu-ray from Film Movement, do not trade it in like I did a couple of years ago, like an idiot, because the Film Movement Blu-ray has an Alex Cox just reminiscence of The Great Silence, and he's talking about it. And I'm sure there's other special features that it has. I really need to rebuy, repurchase that Blu-ray and talk about it as well. So The Great Silence, 105 minutes, 1968, written and directed by Sergio Corbucci. It's an easy five stars for me. Eric Holmes, your rating on The Great Silence? I'd probably go probably four and a half. I kind of almost want to go five just because like that that ending hit me a lot harder this time around. Oh, and by the way, I believe on Canopy that Alex Cox, I didn't see it, but I think that Alex Cox thing you're talking about is on there. Which one? Highway Patrolman? No, uh, oh no! The uh, oh. they have the great silence, and then they have right next oh, to it they have cool. an Alex Cox thing for the. I didn't see it, so I don't know for sure, but I think that's on Canopy as well. Oh, very, very good. Okay, I will check it out. Thank you, Eric, for that. Bruce, your rating on the great silence. Uh, I think I'm four and a half too, and I think when I first watched it, I felt like oh, I'm, I think I'm four stars. It was pretty good, and I sat with it for a couple of days, and it already has gone up. I is like you said, once you get past kind of the the style, the kind of roughness around the edges. It's just such a weird and unique movie. I just got to, you got to love it. 105 minutes, five minutes dedicated to horses in the snow. Look, yes. see- oh, that's the half star I took off. There's way too much <laughs> in the last third. There's got to be a good five and a half minutes of just like riding across the snow with music playing. I'm like, okay, guys, <laughs> you know, cut this a little bit. And look, Quentin did the same trick, same thing with yeah. The Hateful Eight. I love it. I know our buddy Andrew, fellow cinematics member, Anderson Cowan is not a big fan of movies in the snow. So I'm assuming The Great Silence will not be for Anderson Cowan. Thankfully, it's for all three of us. Hopefully, most importantly, tell us what you guys think of The Great Silence. Anyways, we will be back next week with a Patreon episode of The Keep and Eureka, as well as we got a screening link. Bruce or Eric, you want to mention what our screening screener link we got today? Don't remember which one. I got a couple of them. I'm not sure which one. Oh, you did? I, you I, I can't remember either. You don't tell me. <laughs> uh, we have All of Us Strangers. I believe All of Us oh, okay. Strangers. So supposedly that's one of the best films of the year. And all three of us will be spotlighting that next week on Cinematics episode 222. But this is Cinematics episode 221 for the week of Friday, December 22nd. Final thoughts, Eric Holmes. A couple things. Um, we got American Fiction, I believe is coming out uh, or expanding this uh, weekend. Uh, we got Iron Claw mm-hmm. in theaters. We got Aquaman, The Lost Kingdom. So uh, another 
superhero movie can bomb or maybe do great. Who knows what? And uh, Rebel Moon Part One: A Child of Fire. You gonna watch be it on Netflix? No, I'm gonna wait for the extended good version to come out. But the bad <laughs> version is coming out this weekend. Oh boy! All right. Is, is that is that not always how the Zack Snyder movies come out? They come Sometimes. out. And everyone's like, "This movie sucks." It's like, yeah, but you should see the director's cut. I'm like, just release the director's cut then. He was talking like, about if the- you have a bad version and a good version, release the good version. But it's a very interesting point. Yeah, I think I might actually see it within the next day or so. Bruce, you gonna see the Zack Snyder film? You gonna you gonna you give know, that I a might. shot? Uh, I might give it a shot, or I might get partway through it and just bail. We'll see. I still got Barbie to finish. I've started Barbie, and it's really good so far. So I might watch that instead. Very twice. good. <laughs> yeah, oh, twice. Fargo, Fargo, the new season. I'm still watching it. It's still amazing. You should wow, guys check Fargo. it out. Okay, Fargo. Yes, Eric. Yes, sir. Also, just uh, released another playthrough of the Film Vault game. I don't know if I mentioned that last week, but that's up on the Film Vaulters YouTube page, so you can watch that. And if you want to play with us, let me know. And you can. Okay, check Super out the can. Film Vaulters with Mitch Burns and that's check out that YouTube channel Mitch Burns is a really cool supporter of cinematics he is part of the Film Vault crew and Mitch Burns also has two podcasts he's he's a very busy person look at look, the yeah the film the Hollywood persona and the Film Vaulters Bruce you wanted to something you got to say something before we get I'll out of here say before we get back here next time if you do celebrate Christmas it's going to be Christmas so Merry Christmas to all of you who celebrate it and if you don't Merry, what is it? Uh, Hanukkah's uh Oh, no, we're not doing that. You know, I see the box. We're not doing the box because next oh, week is right. Patreon episode. So oh, we could I... we could do it for the following week, though. If you want to do it ahead of time, we could pull it out now. Yeah, yeah. let's pull it out. Yeah, that's what she right. said. Let's, then we'll get that extra out. time to watch yeah, it. Yeah. I was waiting for you to say something <laughs> okay, like that. Okay, yeah. So, yeah, that's what sure. I say. So, so this will yeah. be for the week after next. Okay, we got two weeks from the box. And if it's one movie, I can't do it because Mitch is... Mitch, Burns pulled his movie from the box after it got savaged by middle class, middle class. Oh no. But, but I don't not gonna pull it from the box. I'm gonna leave it in there. All right, let's see. To have and or and have not 1944, Howard Hawks, suggested by Angie Clark. All right. Very good. And we love Angie Clark. Angie Clark, what a great recommendation to have and have not. So okay, that is from our Yes. Also, if you want to join our Cinematics Facebook group, please join. We've been at the number of the beast, 666 or 667, 668. We haven't gotten to Eric Holmes's magic number that he's for the last six months. So please join us over at uh, the Cinematics Facebook group. Eric, one last plea before we get out of here to join. I was was just going to say, just three more people join and then stop. (laughs) All right, guys. Or a whole bunch more people join. It's 969. Oh, there you go. go. There you I go. Love that night. Let's get to so three or three hundred and three. <laughs> However you want to cut it, I don't care. All right, guys. Thank you so much for supporting us here on Cinematics. We will see you next week. And of course, here's Claire. Goodbye, everybody. Thank you for joining Cinematics.